guys, welcome back to the Oh My Allergies podcast. It's your host, Valencia, and in today's episode, we're going to be talking about having a sun allergy, basically what it is and the differences between having a sun allergy and having heat rash because a lot of people get those two different things mixed up along with other things such as like sunburn and really just getting into that type of allergy because it's something that caught my interest and when I get into that part of the episode, I'll give a little backstory on behind what made me want to do an episode like this. And if you are new to the Oh My Allergies podcast, then be sure to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out on future episodes and really great conversations like this one. But before I get into today's topic, you guys know I have to talk about what's been going on. So what's been going on with me is that I actually just got a Fitbit. I got a Fitbit Versa 2 to replace my Apple Watch because I honestly don't know where it is. And so, okay, so this story starts with Christmas break 2019. So during Christmas break, my mom and I, we went to Pigeon Forge for my birthday. It was a really great trip. We went to Dollywood, did the whole nine, everything like that. So since we've come back from that trip, I have no idea where it is. So I've gone without it for such a long time. And to be completely honest, I miss having something on my wrists like that. So before I had an Apple Watch, actually, I had some like jawbone fitness trackers. So like when the up trackers were like very popular, I really just love jawbones fitness trackers because I liked how they looked and I really liked the sleep tracking features within the app I just felt that they were very detailed and really you were able to get a really good picture of what your sleeping habits were how you could improve also the app would give you really good tips on how to be able to get those eight hours of sleep but when the whole jawbone brand kind of went defunct I switched over to Fitbit and I was using the charge HR for like a really good while and I liked that it was fitness focused but I really wasn't a huge fan of the sleep tracking so I felt like the sleep tracking was more so on the like basic side when compared to what I was used to with Jawbone. But now I'm back with Fitbit until I decide whether or not I want to get a new Apple Watch or just keep using this. So, so far, I really like the Fitbit Versa 2. It really just reminds me of my Apple Watch, but more fitness focused in my opinion. I mainly use my other device to take calls and answer messages and kind of have my notifications on my wrist. Whereas with this Fitbit and in my Fitbit in the past, I really was focused on my steps and burning calories and doing exercises and workouts and stuff. Now I did use my Apple Watch for that too, but I did not really use it like that often. The only time I really used it like that was when I was playing soccer in college and I used it for like tracking different exercise modes and doing those types of like HIIT training workouts for when we would do conditioning and things of that nature and practices. So let's see if after this I miss my Apple Watch or not. Another thing that happened to me recently was the fact that I watched the movie Just Mercy starring Michael B. Jordan and Jamie Foxx. And guys, this movie is so 
eye-opening and it's such a really great movie to watch especially with everything that's going on in the world but just genuinely if all of this stuff wasn't happening I would still say that it's a really great movie to watch and you get to learn about this man Johnny D that's what his friends and family called him you get to learn about his story and his story was that he had been wrongfully convicted of murder and he was on the Alabama death row and he had been there for a really, really long time. And all of the different attorneys that him and his family had worked with to be able to get him out because he was wrongfully convicted, that they weren't really working in his favor and trying to get him out and really were a lot of institutionalized racism that was being within the county and within the state and you know and at this point there had not been any person who was able to get off of the Alabama death row period and to be able to see such a really great successful black man like Brian Stevenson and being able to see him come into the state of Alabama from Delaware Delaware and to shake things up and have these men shook throughout the town that this movie took place in and just to be able to see him tackle on not only Johnny D's case but also try to be able to work with Herbert Richardson which sadly he wasn't able to get out of it and if you see the movie then you know that he had he was given papers that said what his execution date was and it was very very sad to see kind of a glimpse of what it could be like when you're on death row and having to expect for you to be executed which I I just couldn't imagine when me and my mom were watching it like it was very hard to watch and it's so emotional because he literally had to wait all day like it happened at midnight and it's just so weird and one thing that I remember him saying in the movie was that this was the nicest that anybody had been to him in his life when it was his execution date and people were just asking him like is there anything that you need Mr. Richardson and blah 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 and it's so sad because if you know his story that he was a veteran and his previous attorneys failed to be able to bring that up when during his trial. Um, his trial, he didn't have any person of color, especially a black person within the jury. And then not only that, but he dealt with PTSD from the war because he was a part of the Vietnam War. Like there were so many factors within this man's case. And it was just very, very sad to see that all play out. And it was really great to be able to see somebody like a Johnny D to be able to see that him get out of death row and for him to be the very first person that was able to successfully get off of death row in the state of Alabama and to have a black lawyer do it like that's legit guys like that is so legit and it made me so proud to be able to see that especially because you get to learn about Brian Stevenson's story and how he went to Harvard for law school and how he wanted to be able to come down to the state of Alabama to be able to make a change and to be able to advocate for people who look like him, who are innocent and who do not deserve to be where they are. And for people who are dealing with so many different types of racism, including himself, like some of those scenes in that movie were very hard to watch, especially when he first came to the state of Alabama and he was going to the, um, the correctional facility 
where um, Johnny D was at and he had come to the correctional facility to be able to meet up with a few clients that he had lined up to be able to speak with them and that first correctional officer was giving him such a hard time and was really trying to strip him of his dignity and it made me genuinely upset like I was just like what is the need for that especially when he was like he's an attorney like they don't need to be like stripped and searched like that like it's crazy like it was not surprising to see that that's how Alabama was I mean the movie took place in the dirty south I mean kind of like what do you expect especially from a state like Alabama like come on now come on and it was just really cool to see that Brian Stevenson's book was able to make it to the big screen and to be able to have this story be heard and have this story be out for people to watch and read and to be able to know that Brian Stevenson is, you know, still around to this day. I actually saw him in the 13th documentary when I watched it for the first time. And it's a really great movie right now. I think for the rest of June, you can see the movie for free. I watched it on Apple TV Plus. I'm pretty sure you can watch it for free on iTunes, on like Google Play and other ways that you watch your media. But I highly recommend that. Also, another movie that is available to be able to stream it for free is the movie Selma and I've heard really great things about that movie as well so I would recommend watching both of those movies and it's a really great time to do it we're still in quarantine for most of us and to be able to educate yourself and being able to see these stories and being able to get a better understanding is really what we need in the world right now that's basically what's been going on with me so I guess I can get right into my foodie likes. So my very first foodie like are these crab cakes from Whole Foods and guys oh my gosh these crab cakes say so delicious like they just have so much flavor in them and then the way that I like them is like when they're a little little bit like crispier on the outside and then they like are soft and easy to bite into on the inside and oh my gosh guys like they taste so good like they taste so good so I've been liking those lately and then another one of my foodie likes is from LaCroix and it's their I don't really know how to pronounce it but it's basically like their new like watermelon flavored sparkling water and I really like it now I it's funny because I don't like actual watermelon which yeah I don't know I, I, I don't like watermelon but I like watermelon sparkling water and the very first time I tried sparkling watermelon water was from the brand Hint and I really loved their sparkling watermelon water. I thought it tasted delicious and this this one from LaCroix kind of reminds me of that one but I really do not like the taste of it when it's flat like if it's just like watermelon water like I think it tastes like absolutely disgusting so it might be just the bubbly like carbonation that just might do it for me but I've been liking that lately and it's been like one of my go-to beverages especially with it now being summer officially and it's getting really hot outside where I am and definitely need something to cool me off because guys like I feel like it's 
like it's hot outside. It's not as hot as it has been in the past here in Georgia, but it definitely is getting hotter than what it was. Like my perfect weather is when it's like in like the 60s. Like I like it when it's like a little breeze. Like I think that's like a perfect summer with it's like being like sunny outside and then there's like a really nice cool breeze. That's a perfect summer to me. I don't really like when it's like the sun is out and I feel like I can cook an egg on my arm. I don't like that type of weather. Like it's, it uh, it just puts me in a bad mood. Like I just don't, it makes me not want to do anything. So I'm like, oh, it's hot outside. I don't want to go outside for the entire day. So but yeah, those are my two foodie likes. So I guess I can get right into the allergy news. So the news article I'm going to be talking about today is from Health Magazine. And it's basically this article talking about how a lot of shoppers are buying this anti-itch stick and they're saying it's the best thing since toilet paper. And so basically the this itch stick, it's from Benadryl, it's their itch relief sticks and people apparently have been going crazy over them by buying them like on Amazon and stuff. And to be honest, I did not even know that Benadryl had itch relief sticks at all. So this is like news to me, but Apparently, this anti-itch stick, it has the same ingredient that's in their allergy relief medication. So when you apply it topically rather than ingest it, like the antihistamine, it acts as a pain and itch reliever. And it can treat like sunburns, it can treat bee stings, and you can apply it up to about four times a day. And it gives you like hours of alleviation every time that you apply it to your skin. And I'm just like, wow, I did not even know that this existed. Apparently people are calling this like a miracle stick. And now I'm like, well, dang, well, maybe, well, maybe I should have had this when I was playing soccer when I was in high school, because there's so many times that I would be doing like warmups in the grass and I would get hives over my legs and I would just be scratching so bad. But then I would just pop a pill of uh, allergy medicine and, you know, it would help a little bit, but I felt like it just didn't fully do it for me. So I really wish that I knew that these itch relief sticks existed because if I did then I feel like I would have wanted to use this instead but apparently people use it for hives people use it for if you have a scalp allergy which I didn't even know that kind of existed so apparently you can buy this from like Amazon or anywhere you buy allergy medicine and I'm like well dang I wish that I knew that this thing existed until now but yeah that's basically the allergy news so I guess I can get right into today Today's topic. So today's topic is all about a sun allergy, basically what that is, the differences between having that and having a heat rash. And really what made me want to talk about this allergy in particular is because I was looking on social media to see what type of allergies people, you know, have to be able to get some episode ideas. And I saw a good amount of people talking about having a sun allergy and them talking about how people always get having a sun allergy mixed up with having a heat rash and how annoying that is. And to be honest, that was my very first time hearing about a sun allergy and it really piqued my interest. So I wanted to do some research on it and educate myself on this allergy. And I was like, well, 
my listeners might want to learn about this allergy as well and be able to benefit from this information too, or even be able to resonate with this episode and feel like someone finally understands what they mean when they say that they have a sun allergy. So if you are not familiar with a sun allergy, sun allergies, they are triggered by changes that occur in sun exposed skin. So when the immune system, it recognizes some components of the sun altered skin as like, quote unquote, like foreign, and the body it activates its immune defenses against them, aka we all know histamine. And histamine, I've talked about it on the podcast before, whether it was about, you know, dealing with outdoor allergies and spring allergies or having a histamine intolerance. But if you are not familiar with histamine, it's basically the body's way of trying to get rid of an allergen that's causing a reaction. So histamine, it works by causing your skin to swell and to itch. And that itching is a response that, you know, makes you want to scratch away any allergen and then that's where the hives come into play and then that's where a rash starts to develop. So this produces an allergic reaction that can take the form of a rash, you can get tiny blisters or sometimes end up with um, some other types of skin eruption. So there are several types of sun allergies but there are like two main ones that I found. So the two main ones are polymorphous light eruption or PMLE and that is a rash that looks like a large number of mosquito bites and it seems like this is the most common form of a sun allergy. And what I found was interesting is that about 10 to 15% of the US population is affected by this. And the rash is usually more intense in the late spring. And then when the weather starts to get sunnier, it tends to improve as the summer progresses. And then another um, type of sun allergy is solar uterocaria, or just basically hives that are caused by the sun. Now this, it's less common than PMLE, but it can be more serious. And so this type of sun allergy in particular is rare and it produces hives and the hives, they can appear only after just a mere few seconds of being exposed to the sun. And the symptoms for them, it can go from being mild, it can go to being even severe enough to be able to get into anaphylactic shock. Yeah, super crazy. I was just like, whoa, like this is so, this is so interesting. So the symptoms for both types of sun allergies for PMLE, some of the symptoms include either getting like a burning or itchy rash and then getting those fluid filled blisters that's very common and then the rash is often seen within two hours of exposure to the sun where solo uticaria those hives can occur in minutes like I was saying before and then you can experience like some burning a sensation of like stinging may happen at first and then the rash tends to fade over days to weeks and then in some cases your skin can darken after the reaction so when it comes to sun allergies, the most common locations for the rash can be like on the back of your neck, it can be on the back of your hands, it can be on your arms, it can be on your lower legs, Um, even though a sun reaction can occur pretty much anywhere on the body, but those I found were the most common places that it can be found at in terms of you getting like a rash. And then in the severe cases of a sun allergy, even areas that might be protected by clothes could be affected. And I was like, well, that's that's kind of a game changer. Like even areas that are protected by clothing could be affected if you have a severe case of a sun allergy. So I know we've been talking about what a sun allergy is, the different types of sun allergies. So you're probably wondering what is the difference between having a sun allergy versus having heat rash. 
So when it comes to sun allergies, they are different than heat rash because a heat rash occurs due to humidity. A heat rash is usually either red or pink and it's usually found on areas of your body that's covered by clothing and it can develop when your sweat ducts, they become blocked and then they swell and then that leads to that discomfort and itching that we are all familiar with. Whereas with sun allergies, those deal with a specific response that you may have to UV rays in the light itself rather than it being a specific response to the heat that's coming from the sun, if that makes sense. So along with that, okay, how do you prevent a reaction from happening? So for some people with solar urticaria, sensitivity to a chemical substance on the skin could be contributing to getting a reaction. So some things that can cause sensitivity include like skincare products, dyes, um, sunscreens, and detergents. So usually avoiding those types of irritants can help with reducing the severity of a reaction. And if chemical sensitivity is the primary cause, then just not using certain products could help with stopping the rash from developing altogether. So another tip on how to be able to prevent a reaction is wearing sunglasses and protective clothing and wearing like things like a long sleeve shirt or wearing like wide brim hats, those types of things can help with protecting your skin from sun exposure. And I know when you think about the summertime, you're like, oh, like I wanna be able to show off skin and blah, 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 blah. But I mean, if it's something that can help, I mean, cause there's like a fine balance in my opinion between wearing a long sleeve shirt like you're about to go to Aspen versus wearing a long sleeve shirt that can be worn during the summertime but at the same time that you don't want the fabric to be too thin or to have it where it has a loose weave because the UV rays can pass through them and then that kind of defeats the whole purpose of you wearing the shirt to begin with. So just keep that in mind when you're picking whether or not you wanna wear a long sleeve shirt as that being a way for you to be able to wear protective clothing. So another tip is using sunscreen, which is something that I know I'm guilty of not being the best at putting sunscreen on myself, but I usually try to convince myself that, oh, well, I don't really like going to the beach that much, so I really don't need it. But I know that everybody should be using sunscreen, especially if, even if you're just gonna be going out. Now I know we live in quarantine times and not that many people are going out as much compared to how it's been done in the past. But, you know, if you're gonna be going outside, whether it's going for a walk with your dog or with your family, just making sure that you apply a generous amount of sunscreen and that you're reapplying it every two hours or more often, depending on if you're swimming or if you're perspiring, just to make sure that you stay protected. And also make sure that you're using a broad spectrum sunscreen with an SPF of at least 30 just to make sure that you are being protected by, you're being protected from the sun, almost a protected by the sun. You're being protected from the rays that are coming from the sun and making sure that your skin is fine and that you don't have a reaction because I've not had to deal with sun allergies 
but I can't even imagine being somewhere out in the sun. So whether you're at a park with your friends or with your dog or you're at the beach and then you get some type of a reaction, like I just can't imagine because I know when I've dealt with things have irritated my skin in the past, like I can't even imagine having it where having a sun allergy can affect you in such a way that I've seen comments about people talking about their experiences with their allergies because I have sensitive skin so there's a lot of things that can irritate my skin very easily but to have something like the sun where you can't really avoid it unless you just stay inside all day is something that has really interested me into wanting to learn more about the allergy because to be completely honest if someone was like oh I'm allergic to the sun like I wouldn't believe them but now that I know and that I've educated myself and have been able to talk to you guys about it it's really been interesting to be able to learn about allergies that not a lot of folks really tend to talk about as much and it's really cool to be able to learn about other people's experiences so I hope you guys found this episode helpful you found it to be very interesting and you learned something from this episode and if you experience having a sun allergy then hopefully you were able to resonate with this episode and really feel like someone finally understands what you mean when you say a sun allergy and being able to talk about the differences between that and heat rash so if you guys want me to talk about more things like this then be sure to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out on future episodes and also don't forget to rate and review this podcast. It really helps with letting me know what you guys are really liking about the podcast, what you guys would like to see more of, what you guys would like to see less of. Just really getting your feedback because I really enjoy getting comments and getting you know messages from you guys talking about how really informational and helpful that you find this podcast and that you're learning something from it and that we're all learning together as a community, which is really the reasoning behind this podcast podcast as a whole is that we are learning together and we're learning how to thrive with our allergies. So if you guys are not subscribed to the podcast, what are you waiting for? You definitely should. So hit that subscribe button to wherever you listen to your podcast and I will talk to you guys in the next episode. Bye guys. Bye.